And people don't realize we're just normal people, but our line got crossed, right? They, the government, the government said, I want to be more in control of your life. And we're like, no, no, I'm sorry. Now you've crossed the line. I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. You know, in 2019, Jason Kenney, who's been one of the most successful Canadian politicians of this century, swept to a landslide victory in our provincial election. Within a few short years, he was ousted under circumstances where recent polling showed that less than three in 10 Albertans would vote for him again in a provincial election. So fast forward uh, less than a year from that polling, and Danielle Smith is selected as the new leader of the, of the UCP, and she wins a majority government. It's almost a miraculous feat. How are these two things connected? Well, in a number of ways, not the least of which is something called Take Back Alberta. So what is Take, Al to what is take Back Alberta? What are they trying to take back? And how are they going to do it? Those questions can be answered by our guest today, is David Parker, who is the operating mind behind Take Back Alberta. And we're going to talk to him. We're going to find out more about the Take Back Alberta movement, what it's doing, what it's done what it plans to do and how it's changing the shape of Alberta and indeed Canadian politics. So welcome to the show, David Parker. Thanks for having me, Leighton. Uh, it was good uh, hanging out with you recently when we were up in Bonneville, and I'm glad to be doing this show. I'm a huge fan of the long-form podcast conversation. It's actually how I get most of my, I would say, information these days. I used to be a voracious reader, still like reading, but it's so much easier to be driving and just listening to a podcast or a book, listen to a lot of audio books. But this, I think, is the future. I think what you're building here in a podcast is how we are going to distribute information in the future. Yes, and I know you've uh, dipped your beak in the, in the podcast pool as well. You've had, had your own show. I know you're very busy and uh, you're not uh, doing as many episodes as you, as you used to, but you are doing a lot of public speaking. And before we dive in uh, and in more detail, I'd like to show uh, just a short, a short clip of you speaking uh, publicly. I believe this was in Grand Prairie. The reason that our government went the way it did was because of the apathy of its people. And if you don't like what's happening in the libraries, because you're not on the library board, you don't like what's happening in your government, you're not involved. In it. But I'll tell you this right now. They have bad. Well, that certainly gives us a, a flavor of why people are tuning in to the message of Take Back Alberta. And so I want to dive in and, and talk about this in more detail with you, David. But before we do that, as we always do, we're going to frame our discussion with a few aphorisms. Um, these are going to, a couple of these are going to seem really familiar to you. Uh, because I did some research on you. Uh, <laughs> the, the first one is from uh, someone who is no friend to you or myself, and that's NDP leader uh, Rachel Notley, who hopefully will no longer be the NDP leader soon. Uh, but she said this, she calls Take Back 
an extreme group with very, very extreme fringe ideas with key posts on the UCP executive, shifting that party more to the edges than in, in Kenny's days in charge. She says the UCP now consists of different people with different ideas than what was initially intended. The second quotation is uh, from uh, someone who actually is the avatar on David's uh, Twitter page, <laughs> uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, who is, if you don't know folks, is very quotable, highly brilliant and misunderstood human being in history. Uh, but he said this, the first quality of a soldier is constancy in enduring fatigue and hardship. Courage is only the second. Poverty, privation, and want are the school of the good soldier. That's one that David posted on his own page. Uh, the next one, again, uh, stolen from David's page, is not from Napoleon, but from, an, uh, from someone whom we obviously both, both admire, uh, and that is a British writer and historian G.K. Chesterton. Uh, this is from What's Wrong with the World. Quote, we often read nowadays of the valor or audacity with which some rebel attacks a hoary tyranny or an antiquated superstition. There's not really any courage at all in attacking hoary or antiquated things any more than offering to fight one's grandmother. The really <laughs> courageous man is he who defies tyrannies young as the morning and superstitions fresh as the first flowers. The final one is one that, that I chose. It's from Voltaire. And it asked the question, is politics nothing other than the art of deliberately lying? So <laughs> These are all great. <laughs> Well, I'm biased just, though. I'm biased though. Yeah. Well, they're they're aimed at giving the uh, you know giving the the people a sense of who we're going to be talking to, right? And what we're going to be talking about. So let's start with this. Let's talk about uh, Dave Berta. Let's talk about the David Parker origin story. I I know I believe you're you're the son of a pastor. Uh, grew yeah. Up in Alberta and and were homeschooled and you developed a a, a various sort of child prodigy. Uh, interest in politics and rose very quickly within the political ranks. You want to talk a little bit about who you are and where you're from and, and how you got where you are now with Take Back Alberta? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I've given this speech probably a hundred times. So I'll try to keep it short. I think it should be able to be succinct. But uh, I was born in Lacombe, Alberta, which is a central Alberta town, a little bit north of Red Deer. Uh, my dad is a pastor and my mom's a homeschool facilitator. Uh, the internet likes to make fun of me for that. And uh, I'm okay with that because I really enjoyed being homeschooled. Uh, I got to read hundreds and hundreds of books. 12 years old, I was reading Locke's, you know, uh, theories. I was reading Rousseau, The Social Contract. Like I was reading philosophy and, and enjoying it. And, and, and I, I didn't get the classical education of getting like Latin and things like that and understanding language by understanding the context with it with which that language developed but i got the the western canon i read like dostoevsky tolstoy um like all i would say all of the great you know thinkers who delved into human psychology in a way young you know i didn't really read freud that much but uh i, I also you read anything. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i read some nietzsche right like so and then i went to university uh, Trinity Western University, and I got again more of that kind of more classical education. So very happy with both being a Christian, even though apparently it's out of vogue right now, and with being homeschooled, uh, even though mm -hmm. I get made fun of. But funnily enough, like during that time, I kind of got involved in politics around fourteen, and so by the time I got to university, I just I knew I wanted to get my degree in political science, and I wanted to go and work in Ottawa. And 
I wanted to be elected. And of course, you know, any child's dream at that age, I was going to be prime minister. And, you know, I came from a small place. So people were like, oh, you're interested in politics. You'll probably be prime minister one day. Now, that's <laughs> not my goal at all anymore. I've, but I did get the, the privilege and honor of working for Stephen Harper for a year as his regional advisor for the prairies. And that was pretty cool to go from the homeschooler from Haynes to working in the prime minister's office at 23. Wow. And then I've done a lot of campaigns, just a lot of campaigns. And one of, you know, maybe your listeners won't like this one, but I was just joking around with a buddy about it yesterday is I actually ran the national field operations for Aaron O'Toole, uh, who became the leader. So not always on the far right, as you could say, right? Uh, Actually, my politics has been very centrist. Uh, Stephen Harper... Uh, I, I, I was a huge fan of Maxime Bernier when he was running against Andrew Scheer to be the leader and, and, and tried to help on his camp. More of a fanboy on that campaign, didn't play a big mm-hmm. role, but, uh, but he did lose, unfortunately. And then I, I really wanted him to stay in the party and, and wait for Andrew Scheer to lose, which I believed he would, and then go for it again. Uh, but he didn't. But, you know, funnily enough, who did was Aaron O'Toole. And so I ended right. up helping him. So I, I was a party man for a long time. Conservative Party of Canada. That was, I was a staffer for Shelley Glover, Ed Fast, uh, Ronna Ambrose. I did an internship in her office. So I, I, I was involved in the party. I would go as a delegate for my local riding every year since I was 15 with Blaine Calkins. I think this is my first year missing, no, second year because I didn't, didn't go to the online one, but my second time missing the annual general meeting for the Conservative Party of Canada. It was just kind of my, my thing, politics is my is my profession. I like to say, and then uh, and then COVID happened, and before that, you know, that was, that, they tried to cancel me. Uh, it's a, it's a tool used in politics, right? Right. And uh, and a fellow named Wyatt Claypool wrote a hit piece on me in the National Telegraph, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wasn't even invited to Aaron O'Toole's victory party. wasn't wasn't even asked to come, even though I'd helped orchestrate mm-hmm. it. And that really turned me on politicians. And I guess what led us to take back Alberta is a series of me realizing that the, the, the power needs to be with the people. Yeah. And, and really that people just don't understand how their system works. And that's why they're not involved. Okay. Now, before we get into take back Alberta, which we're going to talk a lot about, I have to ask you a couple more things so we understand who you are better. Why the fascination with Napoleon? And what is the importance of the, the, the phrase Imago Dei? Ah, okay. So I love uh, battlefield uh, generals because they, they react. I feel like the closest analogy to what I do, which is political organizing, is actually you know, war. That's why they call it campaign. Interesting. Things like Interesting. that. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's, it's actually just in war, just like in politics, it's all about like how many troops do you have, volunteers, how many resources do you have, you know, right. funding, uh, how many, or who are your generals, who are your leaders, who are your captains, who are the people in your organization that are making your organization run? Because really, politics is organizing. It's it's all right. about be, and and I think personally, this is just my take, and I'm not an academic, so you know, I just believe it. But from my studies and reading. And Napoleon was one of the greatest organizers of all time. And actually, oh, yes. a lot of people talk about, uh, so I admire his organizational ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I admire what he was able to do with the military, French military, uh, changing warfare forever. They still have cores in the American military. That's how, how 
you know, revolutionary and basic. Some of the, the changes that Napoleon brought in, in was, but more mm -hmm. it's about leadership. It's, yeah. it's, it's that I think he exemplifies someone who led troops in a way that it both inspired them and got now, do I want to be an emperor? No, but it's kind of a joke. You know, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit cheeky. <laughs> Do I want it? Do I want to get rid of democracy? No, but I I aspire to that level of excellence, just like he aspired to the level of excellence of people like Julius Caesar mm -hmm. and Alexander the Great. Uh, if you look, if you point yourself towards someone who's excellent, then you want to be excellent at. Now, in my case, it's organizational ability, the ability to to get, organize people in an effective unit to achieve an objective. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so I admire that about him, and that's why I'm fascinated by him. Uh, as for Imago Day, I that that is uh, kind of what I've boiled down my my faith to. I I was obviously raised Christian. There's videos of me at two years old quoting the Bible, and uh, you know I've memorized the Book of Romans. I I read the Bible seven or eight times. Uh, I've been going to church, having you know theological arguments most of my life. Read a lot, so read a lot of theologians, and been searching for what I believe, right? Because it's one thing to know mm -hmm. something, but to believe something is a very different thing. And what is, and I, I really do distinguish between faith and knowledge, because mm -hmm. I think knowledge is something that we can end up worshiping. The Gnostics certainly ended up worshiping knowledge and believing that it was the foundation of divinity. I, I don't think it is. And mm -hmm. so I actually wandered off and into Catholicism for a while, and uh, I, di I, I did convert to Catholicism, funnily enough, and did it really? in church and all that kind of stuff, yeah. What, did, what, really did you, liked... what, what, what denomination did you start out as? My dad was United Church, but he uh, left the United Church in the, in the early 90s, and then he, uh, he started his own community church, so that okay. it was actually three community churches, so evangelical, Christian. Mm -hmm. um, but I uh, went from that and then learned the theology of people like G.K. Chesterton, Francis of Assisi, read Graham Greene's The Power and the Glory, really got fascinated by, uh, by Catholic theology, honestly, which is knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, but, there's a, mm -hmm. but there's also a love of beauty. And that was right. what really drew me in was the beauty of the ideas, but not just the beauty of ideas, but the beauty of the history and, and mm -hmm. kind of that. And the apostolic succession really wow. got like it's gone all the way back, right? Um, I don't know where I stand on any of that anymore. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time on various church theologies in a while. I would say after that conversion, I actually kind of left my belief for a while and mm -hmm. kind of, I didn't know what I believed anymore. It's, it's hard in the modern world to believe when it's constantly attacked. There's constantly trying to refute it, saying that faith is ridiculous. But I would say about two to three years ago, I really had my own, uh, I would say, spiritual awakening where I realized what I think Per, again, these are just my theories. I don't claim that they're the absolute truth, but they're the closest approximation I can get to it. I came to this realization that attention is the currency of the universe. Ah. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you, I was trying to boil down what is money, you know, trying to come up with these understandings of kind of how society works at its most foundation, foundational level. And I was like, well, money is, is just one of three things. It's a means of exchange, it's a store of value, or it's a measure of value. Right. It's, mm -hmm. But it's, but that's all it is. Money is made up by humans. That's what we, we came up with this idea, which is something we created out of nothing. Right. right. And so it's just an idea. And but then I realized it's an idea based on some reality. What is that mm -hmm. reality? Well, that reality is that human attention is actually the currency. And the more of that attention you get, the more wealth 
you have, right? So, for example, a king, a lot of people had a belief that they were divinely appointed by God, right? And if, if people believe that and they concentrate that belief on the king, it's going to elevate them. Because I was trying to understand what power was, right? Yeah. I've been around the powerful for a long time. And I come to this realization that the powerful, they had something that other people didn't have. But it was, I knew them. I've met these people. It wasn't, they weren't different. They weren't better. But they were, but they were able to command something, respect, right? They were mm. able to command respect by their position. And what I came to the realization of was humans imbue people with power by giving them respect. It's, and what is respect? It's a form of attention. Now let's, let's dig deeper into this. What is a house? It's concentrated human attention. It's people have paid attention to it and they have applied their attention and they have made manifest or they have created something out of nothing. And so right. that brings us to the answer to your question which was I realized that attention, at least in my way of viewing the world, is a form of creation, or it's, it's a little bit of the creative force. Right. And properly applied, you can create things from it, and that means we are many creators. We are able to use attention to create, which animals cannot, as far right. as I can tell. And that was when I came to the understanding of what Imago Dei means. Imago Dei is Latin for the image of God. Right. And so we're creators. We're creators. Yeah. We're, we're, mm. And so we are the image of God. We are many creators. However, as I always like to say, is we are not the source. We just come from it. Right. <laughs> we're, and the way that I describe that, sorry, I get excited about this stuff. But the way that I describe yeah. that is it's like sunlight. Nobody would confuse a sunbeam or a ray of light with being the sun. But everybody knows that it comes from the sun. And right. that's the analogy that I like to so yeah, those right. are that's the answer to those questions. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like sur surfing the wave. You're not the wave. Yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, I did. But speaking of attention, uh, Take Back Alberta's got a lot of attention. Yeah, uh, it, maybe, it definitely has. Yeah, maybe the the most. I don't think this is overstating it. The most um, significant force in Alberta and 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 therefore Canadian politics. Uh, today and I, and I went on on your website, which is uh, I have to say it's beautiful in its simplicity, David. I really like the <laughs> oh, way things you. are laid out there. Um, even 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 dummies like me can understand, you know, what Take Back Alberta is all about. And it says here who we are. Founded by David Parker in 2022, TBA is a grassroots movement built to advance freedom and transfer power from the ruling elite to the people of our province, which is exactly what you were talking about in that clip. And I know you travel around, all around Alberta uh, spreading that message, but you want to go in a bit more detail about what Take Back Alberta is and why you started it. Well, here, you're going to get a little bit of orange origin story that only my most faithful uh, podcast listeners will, have, will know, but it actually started with GameStop. I know that sounds really funny, but uh, I've been involved in politics for a long time. I knew how to be a political campaigner. But I didn't have a lot of faith in the people, if I'm being really honest, because I'd watched how, they, how easily they were manipulated by politicians, how few people showed up. And frankly, and this is the big thing, how hard it is to get people to show up. I don't think mm. a lot of people realize how difficult it is to get people to care about anything and to yeah. like actually show up. And, and I'd, I'd been spending a lot of time selling memberships, um, you know, campaigning for various different politicians, because I thought politics mattered a lot. And I would say I became a little bit cynical. 
But I, and for those who don't know, there was a, a stock on the stock market called GameStop. It was that old, those old GameStop shops that were all over the right. place. And they were going bankrupt because everyone bought everything online now and it was all downloaded through the internet and they didn't really need to have physical stores for most gaming things. So this store was a huge, it was like the blockbuster of video games. <laughs> mildly. Well, I wondered where it went. And, uh, and so what happened was uh, a bunch of, of predatory market creatures, we'll call them short sellers. I don't know if your listeners know much about short selling, but the long and short of it is you, you're basically betting against the stock going down. Right, yeah. And they decided that they were going to bankrupt GameStop and make money off of it going down because there's these financial um, creations by the banks that you can basically gamble on whether something's going to go bankrupt and you get paid out if you're right. If you don't, if you're wrong. Oh, interesting. They're called options. And they're on the they're on the stock market. Uh, a lot a lot of people will understand this from the movie The Great Short. Yes, uh, options were what were being used that caused the the financial contagion that caused the bankruptcies of so many bank uh, American banks and the bailout and all that. Yeah. So anyway, oh eight right? That was in oh eight. So this yeah. is in uh, twenty twenty, late twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one. And uh, what happens is a whole bunch of online people, Redditors mostly, but just people online are like, you know what? Actually, I think we could probably turn GameStop around. We love GameStop. It's like nostalgic to it. It's an institution we want to keep. So they started pouring money into it. And, <laughs> and, it, and, and I was watching this happen. And I basically, I was watching regular people, in this case, left-wing people, because Reddit's pretty left-wing. And I was watching it with Bernie Sanders too. And they just started gathering together and they said, you know what, enough of this corruption. And a little bit of my background is that like I was, I came through the reform of the wild rose. So my political okay. pedigree is very anti-corruption. I didn't like the corruption in the PCs right. and I didn't like the corruption in the, the federal PCs. And that was kind of, that was the, uh, the school of thought that I was raised in politically. And so I'm watching these people band together. They had this saying called apes strong together. And they would just make emojis, <laughs> right? And they were just like, we're going to take down these hedge funds. And they did. And it was, it was incredible. And the stock is still like almost 40 times what it was when I started following it. Really? Wow. And I got really mm. excited because it's like the people could rise. The people could rise mm. and make their society a better place if we work together. Mm -hmm. And that was, where, that, that was the kind of the birthplace of the idea that manifested itself in, I would say, but then 2021 rolls around. And Jason Kenney starts arresting pastors. Yes. And I was like, that was the end for me. And, and you know what? You know, people can get upset about that, but I'm a Christian. And I, I believe in religious freedom. Is, I believe religious freedom is fundamental. To I, got, I got very upset about that. I represented two of those pastors. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like people like us, that was our line, right? That was, and people don't realize we're just normal people, but our line got crossed, right? They, the government, the government said, I want to be more in control of your life. We're like, no, no, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Now you've crossed the line. Mm -hmm. And so I, at that point, I was also, I was, I was thinking about like the success that the people had had at holding uh, these hedge funds accountable, basically. And I, I was pumped up about it. So, you know, I actually took a, a crazy step and I kind of declared war on Jason Kenny. Now think about that. Someone like me, right. I was yeah. my whole life, my career, my paychecks, they all came from getting politicians elected or working for politicians. Yeah. So like to step out on that and, and go against the premier of Alberta, who I just helped get elect, 
elected, right? Like and a hugely before. popular, I mean, hugely popular premier. Oh, man, when he came in in 2019, he was like, it was like a landslide, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I lost a lot of friends over that, over, mm -hmm. over condemning him on that and challenging him on that. But that, that kind of began the process of putting a plan together that, uh, that a lot of people helped with. I don't want to take full credit for this. There were hundreds yeah. of people across the province that, that played different roles where it wouldn't have been successful to get rid of them. And it's not just right. DBA, it's, you know, groups of presidents, it's, it's Facebook groups, like holding MLAs accountable. It's, it's a whole host of it's, it's podcasts like the Sean Newman podcast, like the work right. that you did in the, in the courts, this is a big effort. It's APP, it's Dennis Modry. It's, it is yeah. a large network of individuals that got but together. But grassroots, said, you know, right? Not, yeah, they're not all grassroots pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and basically said, no, 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 no. You don't get, you don't get to do these things with us. And the cool part was that I got to start an organization that I thought was just going to be for a campaign called Take Back Alberta. And people kept saying, what's next? Pe people actually like <laughs> bought into the, the idea <laughs> that like we need to do something. I'm like, this is amazing because I got to tell you, it's like pulling teeth in politics most of the time to get people to come out and volunteer or do anything at all. But, mm -hmm. but suddenly, and I, I think this is because of people waking up to what's been going on, uh, that suddenly people realize that politics does matter and they need to do something about it. And I, yeah. and I think that's why people come to my, my meetings. I don't think it's because of me. To be honest, I think it's because over the last 20 years, I've developed a skill set in politics and almost nobody else did. <laughs> right like there's just not a lot of yeah. people who know how the system works i i think it's partially because of you because uh you are a very compelling uh public speaker i i saw you speak in bonneville recently and one of the things that you said there and actually it, it's in the clip that we showed is you asked this question well you know is is there something uh, do you do you think there's something wrong with what's going on in your libraries you ask that question raise your hands everybody raises their hand then you say okay uh, what are you doing about it? Are you on your library board? And you know, that made me go just by way of, uh, a, you know, connection. I, after I heard you say that, I went back and I looked at our local library board and what did I find? I find, I found one of the city councilors who had personally attacked me because, uh, last, this past February, I stood up and I spoke out against, uh, a drag queen story hour event that was staged in my hometown of Cold Lake. And one of the very city councillors, the two city councillors who attacked me in that meeting was on the library board. And I said, wow, uh, this guy's this guy's nailed it. The, the, you know, there's something really going on here. So so how did you how was the result with Jason Kenny achieved, though, uh, without going into, you know, the, the too much detail, just to give kind of a high level understanding for people of how this was achieved, because. It, it really is, is almost like a master stroke of, of politicking, how this was done. Well, it was, okay, so the, probably to set the stage for it, uh, there were a lot of people in the province that were quite angry about what happened with the lockdowns and things like that, but they didn't know what to do. My hand is up, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't know what to do. And uh, unfortunately, something that happens a lot in Canadian politics, and I actually see this as, one of the let's call them the elite ways of keeping control of things is when when the grassroots gets angry with corruption or something like that they'll go start their own party and so a lot of people actually had gone and started their own party uh, called the wild rose independence party and actually right. they were polling quite well they were polling about 11 
10, 11%, it's up to 20% in some polls. And what that was okay in Kenny's mind, because, you know, then he had more control of the party. There were less people in the party. In fact, the party had gone from supposedly 150,000 members uh, when he won the leadership to a mere 15,000 in the wow. spring of when, when in exactly the time when you're talking about uh in the in the spring of 2021 the february i guess it would be right yeah. in this in this crazy time where we're all looking around and going what's happening there's only 15,000 members of the united conservative party incredible and i would say that th that some of the real heroes of this story are a group of people that got together on those constituency associations which mm -hmm. are your local member driven boards at your local level for your local riding for your party so in this case the united conservative party 22 of them got together and against you know the premier and the party establishment and most of the mlas they said no we want to hold jason kenny accountable we want to have a, a special general meeting where we vote on whether or not he should remain the leader because we all knew that a lot of people were mad at him he just had full control of the caucus or most of the caucus not everybody but most of them and he had a, a strong handle on the board. He he actually brought a whole bunch of people to the special or to the to the annual general meeting and taken over the entire board uh, with every one of his people in the last eight years. Wow. Uh, he bust in a lot of people, so it was looking grim, right? It was looking grim, but it was those groups, twenty-two constituency associations, that forced a special general meeting under the constitution of the United Conservative Party that gave us a chance. To do what we actually did and so eventually what happened was the board had to decide on how they were going to do the vote give us the rules of the game we needed the rules of the game and eventually we got the rules of the game and it was supposed to be in person in red deer on april 9th mm -hmm. and so that was when i finally we had rules we we had a, we had an opportunity we we could we had a contest and uh now it was just who could out organize the other and funnily enough i think Kenny actually is the reason that Kenny's not there anymore because he then that fall mere months before we were going to be having this review, like six months before he put in a, a, what he called it a restriction exemption program, but it was a vaccine passport. Right. And that was what, that was what I think put a lot of people over the edge and said, we have to do something now. Yeah. And I was just in the very fortuitous position of, of having developed a plan with some other people to, uh, to campaign for this uh for this special general meeting and sounds, when... sounds very napoleonic <laughs> <laughs> and you know there it was the plan was available and yeah. all and people wanted a plan yeah. so i said all right if you want a plan do these three things it was just three little basic things you right. gotta buy a membership with the united conservative party you gotta spend a hundred dollars to go to this special general meeting and you gotta go to red deer and you gotta vote on april 9th and uh, 18,000 people across oh. Alberta signed up, paid the $100 and said they were going to go. Now, how many of those were against Jason Kenney and how many are, were for? We'll never truly know because he yeah. canceled that vote because he was so sure he was going to lose oh. and, uh, and, and moved it to a mail-in ballot. Oh. And uh, so that was, a, that was a journey. Take Back Alberta had a lot of struggles during that time because, I mean, I, I had no... I couldn't believe someone would cheat to that level to cancel a vote because they didn't think they were going to mm -hmm. win. It was just, to me, that was, it violated something that I've held sacred for a long time, and that's democracy. Right? Yes. That's kind of what I gave my life to. Yeah. And then to see it violated like that, I was pretty upset. So I got upset, 
and uh and ended up having to leave take back alberta for a little while just to draw the fire you know kenny's people were coming for me yes and and then what ended up happening was uh, a lot of people sixteen thousand six hundred and ninety people ended up still getting their ballot in on the mailed-in ballot and he only got 51 percent, which is one of the lowest results i've ever heard yeah. of in a leadership review yeah. uh, for a leader of a party that is in government that almost never happens right and uh, and he resigned. That was the so, so Kenny. So Kenny meets his his Waterloo. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> but then something really, re maybe even more remarkable happens that Take Back Alberta is instrumental in achieving, and that is a a new leader um, who, let's face it, um, was somewhat that damaged goods. Uh, you know, a, a, a checkered past. In Alberta politics, that of course the NDP tried to exploit, but you take the 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 party's um, popularity was way down. I believe it was as low as twenty nine percent, and we're within a year of a provincial election, and you get to work uh, helping Danielle Smith become not only the leader of the party, but helping her to win a majority government uh, this past May. How did that unfold? Oh man. Well, um, I got to say that despite what the media may say, I think that the, the role that Take Back Alberta played in putting Danielle there, while significant and she wouldn't be there if we hadn't done the work that we did, it, a lot of that credit has to go to Danielle Smith. Yes. Um, she's a, yeah, she, she's an she is an absolutely person. incredible grassroots campaigner. I mean, she built yeah. the Wild Rose Party uh, from nothing to what it became. Um, and of course, then she betrayed the Wild Rose Party, and there were a lot of people that were very upset about that. And that is a whole other story. Right. But but I mean, at the end of the day, she's an incredibly gifted politician. Yeah. And uh, and when I found out that she was planning on going for it, I was quite excited. Now, as a third party, we couldn't. I couldn't work for, on her campaign. I couldn't work directly for her. I had to go around just giving speeches, and, and my speeches were very clear. I said, "Look, we have to hold our politicians accountable." And it doesn't matter if we get Danielle Smith in or Todd Lowen or any of these people. If you're not there showing up and being involved in your politics, they can't fix all the problems. They just can't. It's this just, is an important part of your message, isn't it? That you can't yeah. be sort of staring at the tops of the trees. You've got to be looking at the roots, right? Exactly. And so I said, look, if you're spending all of your time, you know, thinking that a politician is going to solve your problems and your society every level school boards municipalities library boards land use boards um university boards uh you know legal uh infrastructure medical infrastructure all of these institutions you we've been ignoring as as regular citizens because we just assume that they're going off and doing their things but another group of people has been infiltrating them and taking them over and yeah. and and pushing their own ideology through all of our institutions because the vast majority of people don't agree with this crazy. They, they just don't. But, yeah. but they're scared because their institution. Yeah. One, so, one of your really cool things that you say, though, is, uh, and I read this, you, you, you speak to people and you say, well, you know, your democratic system is not broken. You are. <laughs> yeah. Democracies don't work when citizens don't show up. And that's, that goes right to the core of Take Back Alberta, right? The, and that and correct me if this is wrong the idea of take back alberta is is about who's taking it back right and what's being taken back is is not just power 
it's a sense of civility of of rationality of truth in in politics and in and in uh and in civil society am i right yeah we try to we try to even make it simpler and i just when people ask me what are you taking alberta back from i say our own apathy oh yeah it's 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 the fact that that a lot of people have not been paying attention to their politics and suddenly it's it's become quite clear to them that politics really does matter and i so what are you taking it back well actually you're just taking on the responsibility of being part of the system that governs because people love the idea of thinking a premier government right that right. they're just like they're they're the the royalty the the ruler but but i yes. can tell you i've never met a premier or a prime minister or a minister or even an mla or an mp who thinks they're governing right maybe maybe mm-hmm. they're like really corrupt ones who like don't believe in the people at all but almost all of them take this responsibility Trudeau. very seriously <laughs> very seriously right yeah. and and the, and when you do that it's a weight it's not a it's not a benefit it's a huge weight of responsibility because you're 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 making decisions that impact everybody right yes. and yeah. and that 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 has an, as a takes a toll on any human being and the more that we can share that load a the less likely we are to have tyrants and tyrants mm-hmm. are the enemy tyrants are the thing that must be fought and destroyed because they're the ones who want to control things for the sake of control mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. those are the people that have to be stopped mm-hmm. that's that's it the, the people that don't want more transparency that mm-hmm. don't want you to be able to question these are the people you have to question these are the people that you have to shine the light on right, right. so what we yeah what we say is Take it back from your apathy, right? And what does that mean? How do you take something back? Well, it's kind of like a form of repentance, right? You're saying, well, actually, I realized I was doing something wrong. And, and that, isn't, that isn't what you do when you repent. You don't just say, ah, well, that didn't go the way I wanted. You literally say, okay, I'm not going to do things that way anymore. I'm turning around. I'm going the other way. Right. And, and that's what we're calling people to is saying, look, you can now say, yeah, I realized I wasn't involved in my society. And that's how I got here. Okay. Now you got to go do something about it. You got to get involved in your society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is an idea that um, is very scary to the people who are in power, and it's drawing a lot of lightning uh, to you in particular as sort of the face of Take Back Alberta. Uh, some of the headlines uh, read like slate of candidates backed by anti mandate group with ties to border blockade elected to Alberta UCP board. So <laughs> there's a part of that that's true. Um, but how are you able to get uh, a sort of take over the UCP board? Well, see, people say take over, and maybe I use that phrase sometimes for simplicity. I meant no sake. offense. I meant no, no, you don't. No, you, I just want to explain. <laughs> sure. Um, people, grassroots people went out and campaigned and brought people to an event, and they got elected to the board. Right. And I, I helped in this. I, I helped teach them how, and I helped organize them, coordinate them, right? That was the role that I played. I can tell you this right now. I don't sit here calling the UCP board and saying, you have to do this, you have to do that. Just like I never call Danielle and tell her she has to do something, right? Right. I, I believe that my responsibility as a campaigner, as an organizer, is to get people in those positions that I believe will be good at holding them and, and you know, right. taking the responsibility on themselves to make the decisions that will they'll be presented and, with and being accountable and being accountable. So, yeah. so like they say, they're going to do something. 
well, well, we'll sit here and, and as long as they're doing the things they said they would do publicly, right? They're not lying to us. Then uh, they're not saying we won't have a vaccine mandate and then having one <laughs> or things like that. As long as those things aren't happening, my focus is much more on just get teaching people how to get involved in, in their society right. and yeah. much, much less on you have to do this or that. However, uh, how do we do it? Well, I, we did a lot of meetings and we talked to a lot of people and said, you got to get involved and you got to show up because as Thomas Jefferson said, um, you know, the world is not run by the majority, even in a democracy, the world is run by the majority of the people who show up. And yeah. so if you want to be the ones having your say, if you don't like what happened in the United Conservative Party, and you want to put people at least somewhat in charge of it, who, who are going to try to be more, uh, better stewards of the responsibility of leadership and power, well, then you've got to show up and elect them because they're mm -hmm. not going to get elected if nobody shows up. Mm -hmm. The corrupt people are going to get elected. Mm -hmm. Because speaking of uh, speaking of that, I read something on on Twitter about um, the reasons that Cynthia Moore must go, uh, yes. and this has been a recent let's uh, controversy that you've been involved in. Um, but but you feel very strongly that um, she is uh, a person who is doing harm to the party and to Albertans. You want to explain why and why you think it's important that she has to be removed. Well, I mean, I, I laugh a little bit at the media thinking this is something new. Like, I've been calling for this board to resign for or the part that Kenny got elected two years ago by busing people in. I've been calling for their resignation for a while. And the reason for that is very simple. Uh, they canceled a Democratic vote. They canceled the special general meeting in Red Deer. And I feel like that's a violation of democracy. And they said that they were doing it for security reasons because they were worried about the members <laughs> of the party security. showing up, yes. right? It's security. always it's safety go -to. and security, right? Yeah. And then they moved it to a mail-in ballot. Now, I think that it's very uh, a testament to the people of Alberta. That, that, And I will say this, it's a testament to the infrastructure of the party that ran that vote, that it was a fair vote afterwards, not fully fair. And they, obviously they, they twisted the rules, but they didn't you know, rip up ballots and throw them out, as far as I'm aware of, that came mm -hmm. in within the rules parameters. So I'll give them credit for that, but it doesn't matter. They canceled the vote. They said, these are the rules of the game. This is how we're going to make a decision democratically. And then when it didn't look like it was going to go the way they wanted it to go, they changed the rules. That's cheating. That is blatant cheating. And she was the president of the board at the time that this happened. So mm -hmm. that's my first beef, right? Which I think is a fairly substantive beef. But on top of that, uh, I've been made aware through the media, it's public, everyone can read about it, that she is not letting the democratically elected board have a say in things like the planning of the next annual general meeting. And in my mind, this is a very important thing to have the advice of your fellow board members on. And then, she, to, to, to make matters worse, uh, I, we became aware that, that it was probably, that's a, now a battle over the price. Ah, uh, yes. And yes. that was where I that was where I got pretty upset because I know that's just a gatekeeping model, right? Mm -hmm. I've put on events before. I, we recently had Jordan Peterson and Red Deer. Oh wow! Um, I was there, by the way. That was an incredible. Just as an aside, it was so remarkable to to be there. And and by the way, you did a tremendous job interviewing him, which must have been a very daunting experience. Um, but I couldn't believe it was it was it was almost beyond belief that people would pay those like rock rock concert 
prices to sit in an arena in crappy chairs uh, <laughs> to listen to basically a, a college professor. I mean, I went to university for eight years and I mean, a lot of us didn't go to class. But yeah, then, but yeah. Then that kind of money, like the kind of money you'd spend to see a reunion of the Rolling Stones, uh, uh, to to listen to a public intellectual, to an academic, to me, it was quite inspiring. It was almost moving to to realize that people were so hungry, people are so hungry for this type of information. And of course, he's a brilliant uh, orator. He's taken speaking publicly to an art form. Uh, but wow, what a great event! And uh, you know, kudos to you for putting that together on such short notice. Anyway, no, sorry thank you. No, no, thank you. That it was it was a highlight. It was a it was a, one of the honors, great honors of my life to get to interview him. I would yeah. say. And you know what's funny about that? Th this goes back to uh, Imago Day, and and you know, I two years and a day before I interviewed him on stage, I tweeted on on I tweeted that I wanted to have him on my podcast. Wow. So when you set a when you set a goal. And you faithfully work towards it step by step, you know, amazing things can happen. Yeah, God provides, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but going back to the the fight, or not the yeah. fight, the, the disagreement between Cynthia Moore and I is I believe that the party should be grassroots and that as many people as possible should be able to attend the annual general meeting with a board that governs things like who's disqualified. You know, this board is very important. It governs it, it approves the budget of the party. It, uh, it hires the executive director of the party, who is the person running the party on the day-to-day -day operation. Uh, it it has, has a lot of powers. And I believe that the membership of the United Conservative Party should be the people who determine who's on this board and not the premier. Right. And, uh, and, and obviously, Cynthia Moore disagreed with me on that. But not just that. I think it should be regular grassroots people, not just the wealthy. I don't want to live in an oligarchy. I don't want to yeah. live in, you know, a plutocracy. I would right. much prefer to live in a democracy. And democracy means, you know, that as many people as possible sure. have access to democracy. And if yeah. you put the ticket price of 400 bucks or 450 or whatever they were planning, I don't know the number exactly. But a lot of people just can't afford that. Yeah. They keep keeping the riffraff out, so to speak. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And as uh, someone who has a deep love for the people, regular people, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that, and, 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 you know, if, if things had cost 400 when I was a kid, I wouldn't have been able to go to a political event. No, no. Right? And, and, and we and want I was, to have young people there. I mean, I mean, a lot of young people are the ones who can't afford this. And I would think you want young people there involved with the party and getting in. And, getting I, and I do know they do give a student rate, so I don't want to like mischaracterize oh, okay. the party. There is a student That's rate, good. but I, but I just want to say that like, you know, I know families like if a if a husband and a wife want to go, and then they they're from Bonneville, they got to drive down here, they've yeah. got to get a hotel room, they got gas price. We're talking about a fifteen hundred dollar trip for democracy. So that's kind of that's the big disagreement right now. But it, but it's a longer longer standing feud. <laughs> How does it make you feel though when you see uh, you know headlines recently on where your your face is put on the cover of the Calgary Herald and they say uh cracks appear and take back alberta as cfo calls parker's attacks disgusting uh and i you know you they, they they sort of they seem to have manufactured a fake feud between you and and your colleague marco marco van hugenbos and uh that that seems to have been overblown uh based on what i can understand that 
everything is smoothed over between the two of you. But these constant public attacks must must get to you at some point. Yeah, they do. Um, I think the hardest one is the well is also the the funniest one, which is they keep claiming that I don't like women having jobs and that I think they should just be at home yeah. having babies. That one's uh, the roughest purely because of how stupid it is, right? Like I helped get Danielle Smith elected premier. Uh, my mom is one of the most impressive. Well, we know your wife. We know your wife. My wife we yeah, had her exactly. on the show. She's very talented <laughs> journalist. My wife yes. is, is quite a successful reporter. So mm-hmm. it's just it's just the funniest thing that way. But in terms of the attack, look, I worked for Harper. I watched what the media did to him. Um, I, I know what the media loves to do to conservatives that are getting things done. And uh, hopefully I can handle it. I have thick enough skin to be able to handle it. Now, hmm. you know, on the flip side, um, it it also brings a lot of attention to what I'm saying. Yeah. And and honestly, that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. Uh, be having a lot of people get the message out there. Uh, there was one tweet. Now it was just a clip, and you know, a lot of people just saw it, and took it at face value. But for the people who dig in, they realize, oh, all he's saying is get involved in your democracy because you know, otherwise, bad things are going to happen. And like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't want to. I don't want to order people around on policy. I, I just want more people involved. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, when you were in Bonneville recently, you were talking about something that's very important to Albertans uh, coming up in November. And this is sort of part of the next. I know you like to talk in phases about the the plans for Take Back Alberta, but you want to talk about about that a little bit. The importance of this annual general meeting that's upcoming i believe it's in november in calgary absolutely so yeah so the first part of phase five of take back alberta is that we've got to continue showing up it's really a a variation on a theme over and over again but uh that's the thing is that democracy just happens over and over again you can't neglect it and marching like marching like soldiers like in the (laughs) boat yes exactly exactly And, and so what we have to do is we've got to show up uh in Calgary at the Gray Eagle uh, Resort and Casino for the what's called annual general meeting of the Conservative or the United Conservative Party. Now, what happened to this meeting? Well, three important things. One, the board of the party is elected. So imagine yourself as a shareholder of a company, right? Well, this company is the party, which is the United Conservative Party, and that party actually is the mechanism with which people are brought together to govern the province right now. Right. right? right. That, that, that's how important this is. And you can show up. Uh, I don't know what the price will be. Obviously, I'm in a public battle with the president over trying to get it lower. But um, you should show up and you should vote for that board. And I mean, if you don't have the time to look into it, there's going to be a lot of people running. Uh, my hope is that a lot of them will come and speak at Take Back Alberta meetings and make their case for why they should be on that board. And then we'll obviously have people that Take Back Alberta is going to endorse. Uh, I know that there's going to be other groups of people that will also be running people that will be endorsed by their groups and you'll be able to make a decision. I'm not going to say that that Take Back Alberta is necessarily going to be everyone that you want on the board or that anyone wants on the board, but we're just going to be trying to do our part to get as many people there as possible and elect a board that will do three things. One, it will hold our politicians accountable. That's, That's important. And I don't mean accountable in the sense of like their feet to the fire and they have to do what we say, but like not let corruption happen, you know, speak right. up yeah. when, speak up when someone's being canceled. 
uh, from running, right? Yeah. You want a board that is accountable to the members, not a board that is accountable to the elected people. Mm -hmm. That's what a check and a balance is all about. That's part of the mission of Take Back Alberta, that grassroots connection, right? Yeah, we got to have accountability. And it's all, mm -hmm. it all goes back to the theory of like attention, right? The idea that mm -hmm. the more attention you pay to something, the better it will be. And if a lot of people are paying attention to it, then hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully that will bring light to any corruption that there is. And there's always corruption. This is the thing is that I'm not claiming that anybody is not going to be corrupt. There's always people trying to use power for their own means. So there's always going to, it's a, it's a, it's a constant battle. It's like doing the laundry. You don't just do the laundry one day and be like, ah, oh, good, that's done for my life. No, it's, it has to happen all the time. And, and it's the same with, with politics is mm -hmm. people got to keep an eye on things. And I think that was, I learned that from Harper, right? Harper right. wouldn't take a penny. He hated, he fired someone for, you know, a $16 orange juice charge, right? Like, wow. like he was all about respecting the taxpayer's money. And I, I think we're totally away from that now. Yeah, that's sadly. what I want. I want to see that. And then I think the final thing, very simply, is we just need more people involved. Like, I know mm -hmm. for a fact they can't even find good staff right now necessarily. It's hard to get people applying for jobs in politics. Like, there's not a lot of people. Uh, this is what I keep trying to tell everyone. I'm like, how many volunteers do you think are on a campaign? You know, some of them have like five people. Imagine if you were the other 15 that showed up. People, you, they would love you. It would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And, and people don't get that because they think, oh, it's some nefarious thing. Really, it's just people are so lazy and negligent about their society that they're not showing up. And that, and a lot of the times it's just the people who show up are running everything because they're the only ones there. Yeah. That's the apathy you talked about earlier. You know? Exactly. And that's that's really what you're trying to change, uh, you know, psychologically and spiritually in the Canadian in the Alberta polity is to get away from this apathy and get the sort of spirit of get involved and do something, even if it's something little, you, everyone has something meaningful that they can contribute to make their communities and by extension, their province, a better place. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 this is just Jordan Peterson in action, right? Jordan Peterson says, clean your room. I'm just trying to say, clean your society, right? Take responsibility. Yeah. Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. Take on as much responsibility as you can. Right. And, and you know what, maybe it'll break you, but at least you will have been broken doing something meaningful. And hopefully, and I'm a big believer that, you know, you fail upward and, and that sounds horrible. A lot of people make fun of that, but it's like, nobody starts good at anything, right? No. Nobody start, starts like they're a master of their craft when they start nothing. And right. the only, and, and, and the number of times I've lost elections that I've failed, that I thought I knew something that I didn't, that I was arrogant, countless. Right. But the only reason I've got good is because I just kept doing it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm saying to people. And people are like, oh, once we get on the constituency association board, then we'll be able to make all the changes. Like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. The constituency association board is training wheels. Yeah. Right. That's like you go on there and you learn and you learn how boards work and, and you're involved in your party. But, but move on to the next thing. Right. Get bigger. Yeah. Like, Feeling upwards is a great, that's a great uh, metaphor. Um, are you still doing your podcast, The Canadian Story? I know that uh, you spent some time uh, developing this and you were somewhat early in the podcasting game, uh, are, but I know you're so busy. Do you have much time these days for your podcast? Uh, no, I, well, we haven't done, an, uh, I feel bad about this. This is one of those, you know, and I have friends like Sean Newman and uh, Drew Weatherhead and yourself who are doing a great job of consistency and getting, this, getting content out. 
and this yeah. is the this is the fourth try so we had the first try and it kind of dwindled off then we had the second try and it did better and then it dwindled off third try went big we got great guests we had mccullough on we've had yeah. Brody on yeah. we've had well like we've had some, some high yeah. profile people mm-hmm. um but my problem is that i just keep getting pushed into doing so much politics and stuff that uh and and it, believe it or not politics doesn't make you money really it, yeah. it actually ends up usually costing you money so and, and, and making yeah, you have a very ambitious plan don't you i understand you're going to be traveling around all over the province yeah over the every, next year every, or so three yeah. years yeah yeah so. and you no know, you're you're married you've got a i believe you, your wife just had a baby no it's going right? to yes we haven't going had to oh yes. wow well, 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 let's. I pray that you'll have a healthy child too. Yes, no, I hope uh, so. the child will obviously be very, be very smart, uh, given the gene pool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yep. Yep. we uh, we've come to the part of our show um, that we call the reading list, and uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity to have the the last word. I've got a, a you know a couple of books uh, that you've probably read, uh, especially given uh, how much you 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 are a reader. But uh, these are uh, these are books that uh, I know that um, are are sort of are likely to be in your catalog. The first one is called Napoleon: A Life. Uh, this is a book that uh, I, I read uh, a few years ago, and um, it's a it's considered the definitive biography of the great soldier statesman by the acclaimed author of The Storm of War, and it's the winner of the L.A. Times Book uh, Times Book Prize finalist for the Plutarch Prize, winner of the Foundation Napoleon Prize, and New York Times bestseller. And it tells not only the, the biography of Napoleon, but it goes deeper into uh, some of his ideas uh, and his, his thoughts about, about leadership and about how to organize and uh, how to make a meaningful contribution and how much he thought about people like Julius Caesar. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, arguably say what you like about Napoleon, there's different views. I would say probably not many Russians like him, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, he's certainly one of the most uh, important figures, uh, in history over the past, uh, few centuries is Napoleon Bonaparte. It's a very entertaining and very, very well-written book. The second one, uh, is, um, called the everlasting man, the Christian theology classic. Uh, this is from G.K. Chesterton, and um, this is um, talks about uh, what it is that makes us as human beings e- uh, uniquely human. This is the question that Chesterton opens with in The Everlasting Man, his classic exploration of human history, in which he argues in support of human uniqueness and the unique message of the Christian faith. And this book was written at a time when social Darwinism was very much in vogue. And so it's something of a, a of a Christian answer to that that whole uh, um, that that whole ideology, uh, and so I I think that this book actually, given the times that we're in, I don't know if you'll agree with this, David, um, is somewhat inspirational in terms oh, of well, G.K. Chesterton is perfect. I, that is a great recommendation. I could I couldn't even pour enough praise on that recommendation. That is one of the best. Actually, the book that uh, C.S. Lewis converted C.S. Lewis to Christianity. Yeah, well, I did not. I didn't know. I did not know that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm not surprised to hear it, though. Um, so, over to you to finish off the show. Uh, uh, do you have any any recommendations for us in terms of? It doesn't have to be books, podcasts, whatever you think 
that would sort of illuminate people's understanding of of what we've been talking about and maybe help them to gain a better understanding of what Take Back Alberta is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of the books that you recommended, couldn't agree with you more. Two incredible books. I haven't finished uh, A Life, but I am about uh, 10 hours into, I think it's a 50 hour reading or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm driving a lot, so so that works well. Everlasting Man. I mean, anything by G.K. Chesterton. Uh, another one that you'll laugh. He has a book called Napoleon of Notting Hill, that I cur- oh. cur- and that I personally consider a great inspiration. <laughs> so uh, that that's uh, that's a great it, 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 it kind of a cross between uh, Chesterton and Napoleon. But mm-hmm. so I highly recommend Napoleon of Notting Hill by G.K. Chesterton. Um, one of the books that I would say uh, has really defined my way of thinking on on these things is actually a blog, and it's called Wait But Why. Uh, and mm. he, he talks a lot. He wrote just just published a book. Name guy's name is Tim Urban. He's a Democrat, different than I am, thinks differently. But but his perspective on human psychology played a really big role in my understanding of of how political movements start, of of what they actually are what human organization is. Um, he really builds it up from the ground up uh, in his book called, uh, I think it's, it used to be called What's Wrong with the World. He also called it that, but I think it's, I can't get the name right, but the, the, the site is called Wait But Why. Oh, the Story of Us is originally what it's called. So I believe that's hmm. the story of us. I'm going to check that out. That's, it's a great. So yeah, great thanks for that, David. And, and, you know, I forgot to ask you this, but if people want to, um, uh, get involved in or to support to make donations to take back Alberta can they do that by visiting the website yes so just so everyone's aware we're we're in the middle of a transition period that should be done around the end of August we're going to be moving from a society hopefully to a not-for-profit uh, the reason for that is just tax receipts people like being able to get you know we're ho- we probably I highly doubt that uh, Justin Trudeau government's going to give us charitable status but we're just changing our, our legal structure so that we have a board because people have asked about that. I want to have like a board board that we're accountable to, all that. So we're changing our structure. But as of right now, you can just go to takingbackalberta.ca slash donate. And you can donate if you want to donate there. Um, if you want to get involved, we don't really do the whole, here's like pages and pages about who we are and what we are, because we believe very much in the oral tradition of explaining things to people, whether that's in person uh, at meetings or in at dinners or on the phone. Uh, we just want interpersonal relationships to be the guiding focus of our organization. So we have what's called CAP. So depending uh-huh. on where you live, if you reach out to us on Telegram, we have a group called Take Back Alberta, uh, but you can reach out to us on Facebook, reach out to us on email, email at info at takingbackalberta.ca. And you could just say, hey, I want to get involved and tell us what, where you live, and we'll get you in touch with your cap, your local. Oh, brilliant. Well, I encourage people to reach out and do that. And, you know, one final word about taking back uh, Alberta uh, and taking back our lives that I, I'd, like, I'd ask people to think about is think about where you're spending your money. Are, what types of businesses in your community are you supporting? Uh, this, is, this is something that's becoming increasingly important. And I'd like to tell you about a business that you can support. It's called Pure Athletics. This is uh, a Canadian store that is uh, located in Cold Lake, Alberta, but has a website called pureathletics.ca, P-U-U-R, athletics.ca. 
that has a host of wonderful products, most of which are made in Canada, uh, made in North America. And this is a business that shares your values, no wokeness here. And, uh, and so I encourage you to, to, to check that out. Support the companies that, that reflect your values and uh, don't spend your money uh, on, on companies like Anheuser-Busch that, that support uh, values that, that you think are abhorrent and objectionable. Uh, so that's the final word from here. Uh, but for our thanks to David Parker, our very special guest, David, I wanna thank you for being with us today and sharing your experience and sharing some of who you are. And uh, as an Albertan, I'm grateful to, to you for all the work that you're doing and helping to take back Alberta because uh, as far as I can understand it, you're trying to help Albertans, uh, all of us take back Alberta in a way that is going to promote our, our human flourishing, our freedom and our prosperity and to, to, I think uh, more than that, to bring us back to a society that is connected to God and has God at the head of the state. And uh, I happen to believe that that is the only way of organizing human affairs that will allow us to live peacefully and meaningfully under the rule of law. So thank you so much for being with us and for all that you're doing on behalf of Albertans. Absolutely. And just uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate what you're doing. and and how you're standing up for your province as well in the in the cases you're taking in what you did in February on what's happening at the libraries and the schools. So thank you for standing up as well. It's it, it's going to take each of us doing exactly what you and I are doing right now having these conversations for us to make the difference and you know arguably take on the responsibility that will be necessary to fix our problem. Thanks very much David. It's been a pleasure having you on our program today.